So I wasn't planning on doing a little cold open here and speaking before the intro music, but we had such a great time talking to Laura, who's our guest today. So good. Just wanted to say you're in for a treat, really. I mean, we spent the whole time listening, talking and trying to scribble notes at the same time. Yeah. So have a notebook or whatever note taking device that you prefer, but also just don't forget that you can just repeat the episode over and over again. Yeah, it would definitely boost our stats. Yeah. <laughs> Listen on multiple devices and share it out. <laughs> That'd be really helpful. Thank you. You don't have to have the volume up. No. <laughs> um, but also we will be putting in the um, episode notes, the resources, and um, probably even a couple of key points that Laura mentions because, I mean, it was all amazing. But we'll Yeah, definitely. Highlight it. And it's, I think it's one of those episodes that isn't quite as much of a step-by-step practical how-to guide, but it's super thought-provoking. Mm. And I think that you will take away from it, you know, different perspectives on Definitely. your church comms and, yeah, ways that you can be inspired to do things differently. So Definitely. enjoy. Welcome to the Gourds and Pomegranates podcast, talking common sense for church communications. Here's Hannah and Joe. Today's guest is a talented communicator, but also someone who has really supported like both Joe and myself uh, in the past. And I'm so excited. We're so pleased and honoured to have the wonderful Laura Trunier with us today. Laura has worked with many, many churches as well as other organisations, including her current role with Frank Analysis. She also spent time working as CEO and Innovation Director at CPO. She has great experience in all things digital brand and strategy. And so, I mean, I'm just so excited, but we are both so looking forward to finding out more today. Um, but first, we do need to get the most important questions out of the way so that our listeners can really get to the heart of who Laura is. So I'm passing this immense responsibility over to Joe to ask um, That's right. those important questions. And the big one first, Laura, what is your favourite biscuit? Ooh, I'd have to say a Garibaldi biscuit or the squash fly biscuit, as we like to call it. I was going to say, I, I needed talk, talking through that, but I've got good memories of that. I mean, stuck in your teeth, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is, is that Part the ones the with the little like raisins little, yeah, in Yeah, yeah, but they're squished in the middle. Hmm. That's, that's come out of left field, but it's a good shout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so moving things slightly more towards the church communications focus of this podcast, um, what is your favorite social media platform? Well, you see, I would always have said Twitter, but I am slightly going off it. I think everyone is because it has changed a lot in the last year. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, you know, LinkedIn is super useful for getting in touch with people um, and with people I, I hadn't seen for ages. But yeah, I, I would probably still on balance say Twitter. That's fair. Yeah, I think we can relate to that. Yeah. Um, what about any favourite podcasts? Are there any that you tune into regularly? Shockingly, no. I don't know when I would listen to a podcast. That's the problem. I I I recommend podcasts to loads of people. I've recommended <laughs> Sacred Podcast and the rest of history and you know all the the news ones, Americast and all that. But I don't actually have as much time as I'd like to listen to podcasts. So, and I have no excuse because I live by the sea. So I should just go for a walk <laughs> along the sea and listen to podcasts. But I tend to just use it as time to think instead. <laughs> yeah, that's, there is well, that's something lovely about listening to the waves and just that, you know, it's very meditative. Well, and I've, I've realized I have my best ideas when I'm just walking really, really fast along mm. the seafront. That's when all of the, the good thoughts that have been buried under all the urgent stuff, they kind of float to the surface. <laughs> so you have to allow time for that. It's yeah. That purposeful daydreaming. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I like that. So um, going from quite a profound thought there to uh, maybe not so much, gourd or pomegranate is our last quick fire question. See, I, I don't know where the gourd and pomegranate came from, <laughs> but I'm going to say gourd because it makes me think of Ethiopia a little okay. bit. And um, that's a country that's very close to my heart and I've spent quite a bit of time in. So there's a little association for me there somewhere. Okay. But but yeah, I mean afterwards you'll have to tell me what the story is. <laughs> Fairly random. Yeah. Yeah. I think the gourd is winning for our guests. I think everyone said gourd so far for various different reasons. I'm so. I'm firmly in uh, the pomegranate camp. I'm going to put it out there. 
yeah. I mean, it depends on, I don't really want a gourd on my salad, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, but now going on to uh, a bit more, actually, it's, it's interesting that you've already said um, that Ethiopia is important to you. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself and your journey into and sort of with church communications? Yes. So I had the immense privilege of growing up in a very fun church community with my parents I um I had a strong faith from when I was a teenager I think it was tested fairly severely at various points but that's mm. probably how the roots grew deep as is so often the way I, I I got into publishing first actually so I I graduated from Cambridge I did a lot of publishing there I worked for some Christian charities I did go to Ethiopia um with an amazing mission organization um before I got married, because I was marrying a guy who'd grown up in Kenya. He lived there till he was 18. That was his entire life. And I was totally clueless about that part of the world. So I thought I'll spend some time, not where he grew up, but country next door. And that was just immensely eye-opening. And I think mm. that sense of the worldwide church, the amount we have to learn from the worldwide church. And also in Cambridge, I've been exposed to kind of really high church Anglicanism so I'd grown up in a Baptist church it was very informal and this was singing even song twice a week and I was exposed to all this incredible liturgy and, and my husband had grown up in churches in East Africa and he'd met people from all of these different traditions and so this richness of Christianity grew immensely in my imagination and my understanding and I realized how little I knew and how narrow my perspective was mm. um, and so then when I ended up working for different charities and some development charities I worked for a couple of Christian mission organizations um, my husband became pastor at our church which is in central Brighton it's it's very international and I had this sense of all of these different ways that Christians communicated and charities communicated was trying to join the dots in some of those things and you know typically um the church had a fairly old-fashioned perspective at that point on on websites and and newsletters just at that point not now, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> well I, I you know I got involved as people do you know somebody said would you be up for helping and then I ended up finding lots of other people who are interested in it and so I, I, yeah, I helped, I helped build a team for communications at my church. And at some point during that journey, um, CPOs down the, we're in Brighton's down the road in Worthing, CPO, Christian communications charity, been around for 60 years. They wanted to listen to church leaders. And I thought, brilliant, you know, that listening to their key stakeholders. Yeah. And they asked my husband if he'd like to go to a focus group. And he said, you don't want to, you don't want me, you want my wife, because she's got so many opinions on this. <laughs> so I went along and just the potential was completely overwhelming. Here was this organization who had direct contact with thousands of churches, some of whom really were doing things exactly the same as they did in the 1950s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I ended up getting involved and um, setting up this innovation hub in Brighton and we got these designers around and we tried to find lots of different styles and really stretch churches in their, in their imagination of what was possible. You know, it doesn't have to be a poster um, that you bought 30 years ago that you stick up religiously every Easter. You know, actually what's relevant to the people around you, what's going to catch their attention, what's going to be engaging, what's going to mm. be compelling, what's going to raise a discussion so we started asking these questions and this was this was um at a point where probably most churches did not have a website and if they did it was designed by a guy who said he'd done a course in html somewhere you know and it was firmly designed in microsoft front page there were some pretty bad things out there um but the motivation was good you know yeah. so so we started doing some training and then because you know helping with various national campaigns as well so it was just an enormous privilege really um and i i wrote some books on church communications and then in 2020 um cunningly just before lockdown i didn't know um i thought well i realized that i'd done what i'd come to do at cpo and it was it was time to let others have a crack at it and take it to the next place um, so I, I very, after about a year and a half of praying about it, 
handed a my notice and set up Frank Analysis. And we help Christian organizations primarily, but also education institutions and organizations with their communications strategy. Okay. So, I mean, we'll come back to your previous work directly with churches in a second, but can you talk us through a little bit more of what you do with Frank Analysis? Like, what does that look like looking at these organizations and their strategy? Well, it's, it's taken all kinds of different forms, but if we take an example of, let's say, a relatively small Christian charity might think, well, we need a new website and we know it's going to cost a load of money and we need to raise some money and we don't really know how to go about that. There's a conversation there around, okay, so you need to do that and there's an, any number of ways of doing that. But before that, actually, what are you trying to say and who are you trying to speak to and what is it that they need? What is it that they want from you? And I sometimes use this image of a loop. So you've got you and you've got what you want to say. Mm. Um, and all of the context around you and you've got them and what they want and all of the context around them and in order to communicate with them there needs to be some kind of hook there needs to be something about you that catches their attention and sometimes we think that if we've got a fantastic product fantastic resource fantastic offering that that's going to be enough that people are going to care and of course they don't care they've got busy lives <laughs> right so there's got to be some kind of hook but then for them to do anything about it there's got to be something that then closes that loop that is a trigger to help them connect with you mm. and so you ask these questions then about you know what are the hooks what are the triggers who are they who are you what are your motivations what are their barriers how do they actually perceive you and there's all kinds of tools to do that but hopefully what you end up with is a way of communicating which is really focused really measurable really in line with the capacity the amount of time and money and energy and skill you've got in your team and and is is, is sustainable as well so mm. is able to move forward so these are you know these are the big things but i mean at the end of the day it's it's just about a conversation you know yeah. communication ultimately is not broadcast it's about a conversation it's about actually having a two-way exchange i i had a i had a role briefly as um chief listening officer and a lot of the work that I do is listening uh, a lot of the work that I do is is helping people articulate what they think and then using all of those insights into something that then can be turned into a new form of communication if we're not listening then we're not communicating so yes there's two levels of communication that obviously with the organizations that you're working for and how they're communicating but also considering your communication with them you're listening to them and speaking to them and that sort of two-way street to get to the point where they want their strategy to be yeah and i think a lot of people know where they want to get to they don't know how to get there but also they don't have time in their day to have that conversation mm -hmm. you know we don't sit down and have those big questions given to us in a way where we have time to think through what we actually yeah want to get yeah think through what we think <laughs> to take a sort of cliche phrase from the business world is too much time working in the business and not on the business not taking that time to sort of reflect on what you're doing because you're too busy doing it yeah yeah absolutely and and there's a little bit where when you bring in somebody from the outside that forces that conversation yeah and also when you're in it you can't see the wood for the trees you're too busy you know yeah. you can't it's been such a long time and I I know this from when I was leading CPO that there was an enormous benefit in having a fresh perspective I loved it when somebody new started on the team I would just mine them for all of their first impressions in the first two weeks because what they saw at that point you couldn't generate you know they're not institutionalized they're not seeing everything through the perspective of all of the baggage and the relationships and yeah everything else it's just completely fresh and that was so valuable i think we should do that in church as well with sort of new attendees new members obviously not to scare them off but to get their honest feedback at that early stage yeah and and this this really relates to church communication so at our church when when people become members we we have a conversation with them and one of the questions is you know tell me how you first started coming along and I've been to a few of these and what I'm astounded by is the number of people who will say, well, it was amazing because I came along and as I was leaving, 
This guy on the door said hello to me, asked me my name, asked me about myself. And then when I came back the next week, he remembered my mm. name. There were loads of people in that room. You know, I can't believe he even noticed me. And let alone, he actually remembered my name. And that blew me away. And that is the most powerful form of com communication. You know, mm. it's because it's seeing somebody and remembering somebody. It's about relationship. And I mean, I know that my husband takes that really seriously as a responsibility. So mm. if honestly, sometimes if there's somebody new and he hasn't had a chance to say hello to them, he will run along the road. And if they don't want to talk, <laughs> like he picks up on it, you know, he's not going to be that guy. Yeah. But um, but he does want them to know that he's he's seen them and he's noticed them and and then he will come back and he will write down the names and he'll really try hard to remember them. And he'll do all of the things that you can do to remember somebody's name because it's it's honoring them as people, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and if they do come back and they are remembered, that's such a powerful picture of, you know, th this is a place where you can, you know, we're seen, you know. Yeah. Church should be a place where we encounter God, where we have a sense of, God knowing us and knowing what we need and meeting us, whether or not we want to talk to anyone, you know, and there's loads <laughs> of people who come to church and actually don't want to be welcome, don't want to talk to anyone. That's fine. But just just that act of noticing people and remembering them is a picture mm. of God noticing us and remembering mm. us. Kind of just picking up of what you said um, a minute ago about asking new team members, first impressions and stuff. How is it appropriate or can we say as as church leadership ask people for feedback of their impressions without it being like hi thanks for coming here please fill out this survey mm. like because as as lovely as it is to have the good stuff of yeah. well you've been to church several times and now you're you're exploring becoming a member is it helpful to sometimes have the less good things like at least be aware of those less good things that Oh, it's incredibly <laughs> useful. It's incredibly useful, but I have no idea how you get it. Uh, in a, like in a, you know, in a measurable way. Um, I mean, I've I've had all kinds of friends visit our church over the years, and I've now learned that if I say to them, "How did you find it?" Particularly if they've never been to church before, they they won't give me a straight answer. Of course, mm -hmm. they won't. You know, I'm I'm not the person to ask that question. You know, they they'll they'll understandably. You know, I remember one one friend and it was actually a really helpfully honest answer she said from a sociological perspective it was very intriguing <laughs> <laughs> i can see that i know um and yeah and i, I you know I, I i think it's i i've really wrestled with what's the right question to ask mm. to find out what people honestly think yeah. but then i question whether that's actually the right question you know, is it about what they think about church or mm. is it, did you get any sense of God speaking to you through something that happened here this morning? That's mm. the more important question. You know, if they, you know, you really, you really want people to have a positive experience and to feel a sense of warmth and welcome and some kind of encounter with God that they haven't had before. But actually, if that's been the case, it might be that they need a while to process that, that it's yeah. it's too personal for them to share. Mm. So. Yeah. Mm. But also, I think I've um, spoken to myself about kind of thing in, in visiting lots of different churches over the years for work things. And I go into church very often with a work hat on of get, like thinking about that kind of, oh, well, what are the first impressions of, oh, well, how does that link with online on site or how does that link with non-christians or first-time churchgoers coming and after a while i realized what my preference was but i was like okay granted it, we, we shouldn't have no one on the doors but maybe for some people not that is fine because it allows me to kind of like slowly ease into the church um experience but at the same time there has been one church i went to and it was really nice but also i was like oh they literally bounded down the steps outside into the street where I was sort of clearly slowly coming up to to stop and walk in. And they were was like, it Laura's what? husband by any chance? <laughs> but, but, but they were like, welcome. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm scared by this enthusiasm. And I'm, <laughs> I am a very extrovert person. But I realized that actually for some people, that's really lovely and welcoming. And for some people, the kind of slower approach is better. So actually 
where I might have given my preference of feedback, that's not going to be the same for everyone. And it's, you're not going to have kind of the perfect formula. Mm. Yeah. And that, that's a really important point, isn't it? Generally about church communications, that there's no formula, you know, you've got to, so, so like in that, you know, if they'd read your body language at that moment and thought, do you know what? I think she just wants to do her thing. Mm. That's fine. We'll leave her be. That might have felt like a more comfortable experience. But also with, with church communications generally, it's not like you can say, right, here is a template newsletter, which or parish news sheet or poster or website or content calendar for Facebook, which mm. is going to be perfect for every church. It's there's It doesn't exist and it no. shouldn't because we have to be contextual. We have to know who we're talking to. And it has to be bespoke, not just to the community that you're in, but the community that you are. So you have to know who is able to deliver what your great plan is. Yeah, I mean, we talked about um, being influenced by the big church, city church websites and how that can be really helpful. But at the same time, you need to be authentic to who you are. So it might be that you take things from that. But if you try and copy it, for a start, it probably won't look as good (laughs) because the chances are you don't have the skills or the budget uh, that their designers do. but it won't be who you are. And so if by some mimicry it does persuade people to come through the doors that wouldn't have otherwise, and then they see that it's completely not like you at all. Well then it's gonna be Yeah. It's it lacks integrity. That's yeah, what exactly. they see. So so people increasingly are looking for integrity in churches. They're looking mm. for churches who are transparent about who they are. And that can be in the subtlest of ways that we look for those things. We we pick up the visual cues. You know, I used to talk about if you had if you had a church notice board that was completely crumbling and neglected and falling to bits, then what does that say about how the church looks after its people? Mm. You know, if you if you have a church that you know really trumpets its eco credentials, but that hasn't hasn't reflected that in the way that they use their land, you know that that communicates a mismatch. Mm. Um, I I looked at some websites from a lot of churches in london recently for a piece of work i was doing and realized that the language that they used around themselves could pretty much be divided into kind of nine groups so there were those who would talk about being uh, sacred and beautiful perhaps or mm. liturgical and they might have pictures of people in their you know vestments and they might have a picture of a mass you know they might have a picture of what what would be happening on a yeah. on a normal sunday morning and then you'd have others with videos and photos of people with hands in their air and they would describe themselves as lively and vibrant and all of these words which we use on websites um yeah we should have church website bingo as like a special episode <laughs> or something yeah but the thing is that the language that they they chosen their words really carefully. So some of them would talk about being family churches and some of them would talk about being gospel centered churches and some of them would talk about being historic churches. And those those words are really, really helpful because they mm. signify a culture. If you imagine a mountain under the sea, the website is the very top bit that's poking above the sea but most of the mountain might be underneath the sea and all of those values are underneath Mm. so it's a culture organizational culture triangle that i talk about sometimes but it's it's understanding the difference between the artifacts the things that we show which are at the top which might be the pictures that we choose to put on the homepage of a website but right at the very bottom of the deep underlying values which might be embedded in generations of history within the church and community you can't ex- you can't attempt to explain that, no. but those who've been there will know that, and that comes out in how we communicate. So it's understanding who we are below the surface as well as just the pictures that we use or the yeah. words that we use. But I think linking it back to what you were saying before about that loop and that sort of two-way communication and what are people actually getting despite what we're trying to say. You know, you mentioned a few phrases there that signify something like uh, gospel-centered, for example. Now that that definitely does signify something but it probably signifies differently to someone like us who spend a lot of time looking at websites and communication to your average christian who's been in church all their life to someone who's never been to church or very rarely goes to church um 
and so it's it's looking at it through that lens of the different people and not assuming that just because we understand what that means that they will absolutely and it's recognizing as well that as i was saying before that people see your context as well as see you so if you use a phrase like oh there's there's many examples but if you use a phrase which has enough christian depth and hinterland around it Mm -hmm. then other christians will spot that and they'll know what that means and it will either be something that puts you in a corner or it will be something that draws people but you need to do that intentionally and with your eyes open Mm -hmm. for people outside the church you know absolutely we don't we try not to use the jargon but but there are other we need to recognize that sometimes they will see things they will see values which are not from us they're from other churches like us and there's very little we can do about that often you know they they might have had a bad experience and when they see us they see that bad experience Mm. and that's that's the the really tough reality that we face and that's not something that you can overcome with the the stuff that we put out publicly always Mm. Mm. and having having that invitation for uh you know, face-to-face contact and relationship and connection. And, you know, there are loads of ways of doing this with online as well. It's so important, but we is is realizing that people will have perceptions about us as a church. And part of the role of communications is to shape those perceptions in a way that reflects truth rather than what they might have heard, which might not be true. That's brilliant. This is all really helpful. Writing so many notes. <laughs> the thing is, you know, they, they're big issues. You know, mm. it's it's hard enough these days to get someone to pay attention, mm. let alone do something about it. So mm. it, do you know the AIDA tool? So awareness, interest, desire, action. Mm. It's a marketing, you know, one of the millions of uh, little acronyms that are used. But um. But with churches, it's easy to assume that people are aware that we're there and and know that we exist. Um, They might be aware that the building's there, but unless the building says something about what's going on inside, then they won't know anything else. So joining a Facebook group, for example, a local Facebook group as a church is a way of raising awareness. You're not trying to do anything really more than say, hi, we're here. Yeah, we're Mm -hmm. people. We do stuff. Mm -hmm. We care. Um, Interest is a whole other level. That's that's people actually paying attention. It's clicking on the link. It's engaging. It's opening the magazine or whatever. The desire is is about those triggers I talked about before. Actually, what what is it that people are going to do about this? You know, and it might be that they sign up for an email update, and it's it's just like signing up for an email update from a shop. As far as it's an organisation, they're being put on a mailing list. That's the only thing that's being asked of them. That's all they're signing up for. But at least it's an expression of interest. But then taking action is a long way from that first bit. Mm. The taking action might be turning up to a carol concert or it might be, you know, donating to a community appeal or donating to a food bank or whatever it is. But that's a lot. That's a long way from the beginning. And so it's realizing that all the different tools that we have play their own roles, but they're not all trying to do everything. Mm. You can't, you know. And that first action may still be really far away from someone coming to faith or some joining regularly and you know yeah absolutely it's, it's you know they're long journeys but mm-hmm. and every every bit plays its part but sometimes we can have such high expectations of our communications we can be so ambitious for what they're going to achieve because we're trying to we're expecting them to do everything and if they were trying to do everything they'd, they'd be bad at all of it mm-hmm. and actually if you just keep it really really simple and say well the purpose of this is to do this this one job for this one group in this one way that's all we're expecting of it but it plays its part in the whole picture then we're less likely to get discouraged so thinking back to what you were saying about the current clients that you work with and tend to be sort of bigger organizations and how you start to approach the strategy with them churches as we often say tend to have much smaller budgets for this sort of thing you know a team of people doing these things is is a, a dream <laughs> um, a lot of the time. But what what can we apply? You know, if a church is just getting started to think seriously about the comms, which granted, a lot more churches are a little bit further along that journey these days than than when you mentioned before, which is brilliant. 
But if people are at that beginning stage, what can we apply to them in terms of strategy? Where do we get started? Okay, well, one really good thing to do, which churches often don't get around to doing, is to take a cold, hard look at the people in your area and the people that you're trying to reach and to access some data to do that. So the census in 2021 is now online with this incredible mapping tool. So you can go to the ONS website and there's these mapping tools and you can literally, there's loads of different ways of doing it, but you can draw a map or you can just click on an area of the map and you can find out everything you would want to know about that group of people. So you can find out how many people say they're Christian. You can find out what age they are. You can find out whether they walk to work. You can find out what kind of house they live in, what their household income is, Mm. you know, so you can get a really clear sense of who it is that is actually in the remit of your church is in the area of your church. And it might be that you have, I mean, our church, for example, is right in the center of Brighton where we are is apparently one of the most godless bits of the uk that was the headline you know so about 60 percent of people say they have no religion so um that that's a very proactive i do not like religion kind of statement on a census but a lot of the families in the church come from a bit further out of town where Mm. that is a completely different statistic so there and and there's a lot more families so where we are is where i live is is very international it's very transient a lot of people in temporary housing a lot of people freelancing and doing five jobs and you know that that's the reality so but a lot of the families in church moved out to where they could get a garden and you know uh, a nice school and and a bit more space so you've got two completely different communities that you're talking mm. to so what you put out might be might be slightly different for those different groups but but you've got them in your mind when you're communicating you're not assuming for example that everyone who's there on a Sunday has completely brilliant English and is university educated. So actually, if you get somebody up to do a reading Mm. who doesn't have brilliant English and is not born in this country, then that communicates loads and that communicates to the people who you have locally. Um, Similarly, when when we're putting out our Christmas flyers, right? I know from the stats that the vast majority of people who will get one of those through their door would not dream of going to a church, not in a million years, But what we do is on the back of the flyer, we say, could this be a year when you think more about your spirituality? And then we put in some links to like try praying, which is a really great resource for people who are kind of pre, pre, pre alpha, you know, just might consider praying in some way. We put in a link to a Bible website for people who want to study and learn and and know more about the Bible. Uh, we did put in a link to Alpha and, you know, having a link to courses like that is really good. And then we put in a kind of a, a prayer that was a kind of prayer for our community. And we put in some stuff about the debt centre and we put in some stuff about the food bank, things like that, which connect to people's. Again, it's an awareness thing. So even mm. then, but it might turn the awareness into interest. You know, that might be that they you know, they're never going to come to a carol service, but they might click on one of those links. So, so what I'd say to a church is first, look at look at who's around you and think, what do they want from you? What do they want from the church? How can we communicate something that's actually relevant for them? Mm. And it might be as simple as that. Instead of just saying, come to services, come to services. You know, this is the way that you could, you could discover more about God from the comfort of your own home. These are some yeah. websites you could go to, something like that. There's so much in there. I mean, mm. even the fact that we're starting from that place of, looking at who's around you and not just assuming that we're already aware of that demographic because it's changing. you know that's yeah it changes all the time you know not going straight to thinking about what should our website look like what tools should we be using for social media or anything like that but looking at the people um and i think the other thing that really stuck out to me there as well is um about the resources on the back of your flyer that it's not just all about your own church it's not um about getting them to your website but you're pointing to other things and different steps, different routes that they may take. Because to put it bluntly, it's not about getting them through your door. It's about, with God's help, getting them one step closer to his kingdom. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, can you imagine a world where churches were pointing to other churches as well? Mm. You know, but th- but there's a bigger conversation, isn't there? You know, like you, you could put on the back of that flyer, here are 10 reasons people go to church or here are some quotes from people in our church about their you know their spiritual journey you know you could it it, on a facebook page instead of having 
you know, talking about what you've got coming up. It's it's telling stories of the people there. You know, it's having little 20 second interviews with people who have had some kind of experience and it doesn't have to be the lifelong dramatic story. It can be the something that happened this week story. Yeah. You know, it's ways of ways of connecting with people where they it gives them something to think about talk about and say Mm. oh I I saw this thing on you know I saw this thing pop up on my feed the other day and it was wasn't what I expected you know exactly and they're the little hooks that that you mentioned and I think you know they're things which will engage with people but also looking at it from the other point of view where we're often coming from a stage of right what do I post this week I'm really struggling for content I'm trying to put stuff together for the month ahead I have no idea not only these stories that people want to hear but they're ready-made stories you don't have to go away and, and write them okay there's a bit of production organization involved but people have these stories in your church so to go and film them briefly and tell these stories is a no-brainer yeah absolutely and also there are there's loads of great content out there from loads of other organizations it doesn't always have to be homegrown you know signpost to other stuff again if it's if it's not about getting people through the doors as you put it it's about pointing people to god's what god's doing then there's loads of ways of doing that you know um churches who don't have any youth group can point to stuff that's happening in other other churches where they've got stuff going on for youth you know we can celebrate what others are doing it's such a powerful thing when churches celebrate what other churches are doing Mm -hmm. when they demonstrate prayer for other churches giving to other churches partnership with other churches that's so powerful because what you're doing is combating that narrative of oh the church is all divided they all really hate each other you know anglican twitter's so mean you know actually (laughs) let's 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 tell a different story of in this in this community we think they're great you know they're not perfect we're not perfect they know we're not perfect we know they're not perfect but ultimately we're working on the same team towards the same goal and we want to we want to cheer each other on we want to support each other Mm. it's not you know it's not it's not being naive about the profound differences that are there but it's being hopeful about the bigger story that's there and pointing to that instead it's almost like someone wise once said that people would know we were god's disciples by our love for one another and as if that doesn't just apply within our own church meetings yeah absolutely and there's there's huge opportunity to do that particularly in in communities where everyone does kind of know everyone and you know i'm i'm an urbanite so i don't feel massively um knowledgeable about rural communities but i learned so much but from working with the earth rank center and germinate and some other church planting networks and you know there's loads happening with the caleb stream from hcb and and there's a lot more happening in rural churches but in in a lot of communities where we're able to find ways to celebrate each other it's not a threat it's a strengthening thing and it's Mm. where we can tell stories what we're telling stories of is what god's doing in our local community through other people as well as ourselves um and also out of that partnership you know you get it's it reciprocates you know it grows it it becomes a something that can abound in all kinds of ways you never know what god's going to do with that but i know from my own experience that where we are generous and where we are able to find ways to work together even when the world says we should be competing when we find ways of doing that god blesses it you know he just does um things things take root that you never could have planned Mm. um and i've been i've been so thankful for that so many times when you know even when when i was at cpo and there were times when it it did feel like it ought to be a competition or even a commercial competition in some way and you just think no i don't i don't want to do it like that (laughs) and i remember there was there was one guy and we had a conversation and he was like i didn't think you'd talk to me because we're basically competing the same stuff and and I was like no no I you know I think absolutely but I think you're great you know and and he was like and and then we found ways of working together through Mm. that um which you know it was it was it was all God's doing you know it didn't Mm. it didn't make sense but as as Christians we shouldn't be as as it is with the world we should we should be different we should find ways of um of yeah doing what Jesus said (laughs) 
<laughs> really? Okay, so I kind of feel like some of the bits you've said would go into this, but what do you think are the biggest challenges and biggest opportunities for churches in the UK right now when thinking about communication? So already there's been a couple of things you've said that I think could go into both of them, but what would you say if we're looking at the landscape now? I think one of the very practical realities is the lack of volunteers. Mm. So there was an article in the Guardian a couple of days ago about this from some of the broader charity landscape. And I'm hearing it from charities in all kinds of different fields. Um, And EA have done their post-COVID research changing church on this in, and and they've, they've seen the same. It's partly to do with the, the frequency. So people who, used to go to church once a week and now going every couple of weeks and people who went every couple of weeks are going every couple of months mm. people are finding it harder to commit to things regularly uh, and actually this just that sense of regularity that sense of being pinned down to a commitment it's just been stripped out it's gone mm. this has a huge impact on children and youth work in particular so I think I think that is an enormous challenge for churches because we have to find new ways of creating community among volunteers so it doesn't feel like an obligation it feels like family there was a there was a reliance on a an intrinsic sense of duty before and it's really good that that's gone in a way because it was never enough yeah you know duty will only take you so far and also Mm -hmm. different generations will approach that in very different ways you know kids who've grown up with, I mean, that is so we have a family diary in our house. I have three teenage children, and I really like the idea that we all know where everyone is at the whole time. But one of them, she's like, "Well, I never know where I'm going to be because we only make plans ten minutes before. Like, I don't. It's not like I say, yes, I'm going to see my friends next Wednesday at seven. It doesn't work like that, you know. Mm. So that generation, you know, they don't. They just like that concept. So it just mm. is not there. Right. So what what will keep um, what will help us with our, our teams for communications and for for volunteering in all kinds of areas will be that sense of working together, being part of something together, being part of something bigger, having friends, having fun together. Um, now, communications can be a really isolated task in a church. You know, you're the guy who's like two in the morning correcting the website because you didn't have time <laughs> during the working day. How can we make it fun? How can we how can we have ideas together? How can we create a culture where this is the really great bit of church life because you get to try things out and you're yeah. not tied in? I think that's something we talked about in our um in our Christmas episode actually of saying, you know, if you have a meeting straight after Christmas to review all of your comms and get that much ahead for next year, make it a nice thing. Go to a coffee shop, meet up in a group, and make it a social, creative activity rather than a boring mm-hmm. admin one. Yeah. And, and, you know, comms needs admin people and creative people. Like mm-hmm. you need both and they need yeah. to work together really well. But it, sometimes the admin wins. And so if you can make it creative enough so that part of the fun is that you get to try things and it doesn't matter if they go really badly, you're just experimenting and it can play out. Yeah. yeah. And on, on social media, that can work really well. Also having, you know, not signing people up for a life sentence. They're so saying we're going to do <laughs> this for three months. And then the default is that everyone finished or a year, you know, a year, a year works a lot better with children and youth, but like, we'll do it for a year. And at the end, the expectation is that everyone will stop, but we're hoping you might want to continue, but we're not going to have any fixed, you know, it's, it's up to you. So people, people will then say, and I heard about a church that did this. They said, every volunteer in every ministry in August finishes. That's the end of what they're doing unless they want to carry on and what that meant is that people when they sign up in august for the year ahead they that you know they're like i will go for it for this year mm-hmm. and they've enjoyed it so much that at the end of the year they decide to carry on and they decide to carry on you actually don't lose anyone but everyone feels free that they know that it's their choice mm-hmm. you know and i suppose it also from the other side gives an inbuilt sort of permission to have that review chat with someone that if you think actually it's not working out for them it's not an awkward, right, now we've got to bring this up out of the blue, but there's that natural time to do it. Yeah, yeah. And we're not very good at evaluation with volunteers. No. And we're not very good at evaluation for communications because it's like super awkward to say somebody, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not great. But yeah, that does create a way of doing it. 
and the other way that creates a way of doing it is just having a culture where you do try things and you try different things and you say well we've done this for a while now we're going to try something else that also makes it easier to have that conversation but a communications team can be can be a great team and it doesn't you know it doesn't have to be all people within the church as well it can be mm. really great to get someone from the local community who's even not part of the church because they will give you that outsider's perspective and they might, you know, they might have more time. Gosh, there was a brilliant woman who was uh, in the toddler group at our church. There was no in a million years she was ever going to come on a Sunday. She made that very clear. But she really wanted some graphic design experience and said to me, could I volunteer at the church just as a volunteer to do some graphic design? And it was mm-hmm. brilliant because she mm-hmm. produced this incredible stuff completely for free to build up her portfolio. But also she, you know, she was designing for herself. So... Mm-hmm. It was perfect. It was, it was, and we got to know her really well, and she felt really comfortable with everyone. And yeah, that that was a that was a great scenario. But she probably left, or however it finished, or whatever. Um, going, oh, they're normal people. Actually, do you know what? They gave me a really wonderful opportunity to, you know, as you say, build build my portfolio. And like, I bet she'd have left a. Uh, an experience with a church in a far more positive light because of actually just getting to know you guys as individuals and as people and as an organization rather than oh it's the church that big scary building at the end of the road and uh, yeah we don't oh, know oh, that's do. so true and and to be honest one of the reasons I got to know her was because I was helping at the parent at the toddler group and she was in she was waiting to come in and I heard her saying to her friend oh these crazy baptists they're so good <laughs> and I was like right I take that as a challenge <laughs> um so I I decided to become her friend and we just got on really well which is why then she felt free to ask for volunteering whether, whether there was mm. any options to do volunteering but but that's a li- that's a little bit of it isn't it it's that that was her that was her perception and there's Mm. no way that the church could have changed that it's only it's only meeting people that that changes that I mean who knows you probably thought we're even crazier after I was going to say maybe it confirmed her suspicion but then (laughs) again it's permission to be weird right yeah (laughs) sure (laughs) that's the take home (laughs) um I I actually I really like how you've taken something that's a challenge and, and put loads of opportunity ways of creating that into a position of opportunity um but is there anything sort of maybe on a technical level that are opportunities for us as church communicators yeah i I'm, there's so much isn't there uh i think one thing i'd say and i'm not going to talk lots about it because there are it but it is something worth exploring is is the whole intergenerational character of churches which i think is something that can be massively explored and used in our communications and there's that that's just it's such a defining hallmark of churches that you do not see anywhere else and there's such enormous power in it and having worked with organizations who focus on the very old and also the very young churches in local communities are able to demonstrate something of of god's kingdom in terms of Mm. every age and every tribe and every nation all of those things uh and and there's there's just something to explore there maybe it's a question for churches to ask how do we how do we encourage intergenerational ministry and reflect that in our communications and use it in our communications um the other thing i would just say we talked before about that balance of admin and creative in communications work for churches there are there are some really great tools out there and you've talked about a lot of them on this podcast which is brilliant but i think the other opportunity is to be mavens like look look for the new stuff that's out there in terms of tools and see how you could use it uh, we're at this time in in technology where things are just changing so fast and you know i chat gpt uh, the other day <laughs> wrote a bible study for my daughter who had to lead a christian union session on a particular passage and she didn't have time to do it so she got it to write five questions for her it's drawing off the wealth of you know knowledge of loads of people over loads mm. of time and it did it for her in five seconds and that was super useful and she can adapt it and change it and check it as much as she likes but 
that's just one example there are so mm. many tools out there there are so many great apps there's christian websites there's resources out there you know just be curious we need to be curious and look around and see what's there and share it just because it's not homegrown doesn't mean that we can't share it just because it might have some slightly problematic connection or connotation somewhere doesn't mean that you throw out the baby with the bathwater you know yeah. you can caveat this stuff you can say you know this might not be for everyone but some people might find this really useful you can signpost you can find ways of using what's out there you know we don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time we're really good at doing that as churches and as <laughs> christians because we kind of get stuck in our bubble we don't have to do that you know let's let's um let's keep being on the lookout for stuff that we might be able to use yeah i think that's a really positive but profound uh, thing to end on <laughs> um that we're not just being selfish with it but yeah seeking to achieve the same goal i know um you don't like to sort of do the whole self-promotion thing too much um but i mean you mentioned um the books that you've written are they still available can you tell us a bit yes about them? i believe so they were published in 2017 by brf bible reading fellowship another great organization and they're called reach out and you can probably get them on amazon for a matter of pennies i should think by now so <laughs> so yeah they're there and um yeah my it's frank analysis is is the name of my company um yeah i mean i mean there's there's so much good stuff out there there's some really good books on church communications um mark crosby's book spck i can't remember what it's called now it's bright yellow it's very pretty so can everyone hear so can everyone hear yeah that's right that's a good one there's the church commons collective yeah that's an excellent resource yeah Yeah. there's i mean there's there's some really good stuff out there and there's there's a christian creative directory as well isn't there Yes. yes yeah yeah, we'll link all of those things in the episode description. Yeah, and I'm going to send you the link for the ONS mapping tool because I'm a bit yeah, of a definitely. data nerd and it's it's just really interesting. Laura, <laughs> mm. uh, thank you so much for, for coming on today. As I say, you don't like self-promotion, but I think we are so glad that you've agreed to spend this time with us. And I yeah. think, you know, everyone who listens will benefit from that. So. I'm sure we could go on all day, but let's... I know, uh, let's I know. Thank you for giving me an excuse <laughs> to infuse. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. <laughs> <laughs>